There's a, there's a little kid's song. Uh, we teach it to uh, young kids. Uh, maybe even your kids know it. Uh, maybe you sang it uh, at, at church camp or, or a long time ago when you were in Sunday school class. It goes something like this. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Some of you know that. Some of you know that song. And, and, and it's interesting. I began thinking about this song this week uh, as it was rolling through my mind. And I thought, there is an implicit warning in this song for little kids, right? Like, like, don't be looking, don't be seeing the wrong kind of stuff, that some stuff that we see could in fact be destructive. And I wonder, I wonder if Jesus isn't saying the same thing. I wonder if He wouldn't have all of us be singing this song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And I wonder if the warning uh, in that song is in reference to some of the things that are available to us on the internet. I wonder if that song is not in reference to uh, this whole, whole uh, piece of our entire culture and our society uh, that is, is lusting for women who are, are stuck in the slave in the sex industry in our culture. If it's, not, if it's not in reference to the pornography that's available uh, not just to adults but to children as well. I wonder if the warning in that song, oh, be careful little eyes what you see, is in, in reference to adults who go to work every single day and they find that there's some chemistry with another person at work. And in their minds, they begin to enjoy this other person and, and, and perhaps it even goes beyond enjoyment and, they, and there's something going on inside of their brain where, where it's not just a, a work relationship anymore, but there's fantasy going on inside of their hearts and their heads for those who are going to work and, and, and they find someone in their workplace emotionally, physically attractive. I wonder if the warning in that song is, is, is for all of us when, when we're going through the grocery store aisle and, and, and we're standing there and we're, we're waiting so that they can check us out and we, we recognize all the magazines and on the cover there's probably some airbrushed woman or airbrushed man with bulging muscles. I wonder if that song is about us, so be careful little eyes what you see. It's interesting, in the text that we're going to get into this morning, uh, Jesus uh, so clearly draws a line from our eyes to our heart. He ties a string from what we see to our souls. And He's aiming, uh, as He was last week and throughout this entire section of Scripture, on building healthy relationships. And what we're learning this morning is that healthy relationships lead to sexual purity. Healthy relationships will lead to healthy sexuality. And oftentimes, what we'll find is that healthy relationships will cash in with sexual purity every single time. And Jesus is going to do it through this lens of righteousness, remember? 
Last week we looked at it. It's the thing that, uh, that is the lens through which all of these other moral directives that Jesus is giving to us. All of these moral directives. Last week it was anger. Hey, you, you got to be emotionally in control if you want this healthy relationship, right? This week it's lust. And Jesus is going to say, all of this is through the lens of righteousness. He said, to, he said to all of those who would come and listen, in verse 20, He said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the teachers and the Pharisees, which to those people in that day was astronomical. They couldn't imagine possibly being more righteous than the Pharisees. And Jesus says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers, you don't have a spot in heaven. There's no place for you in the kingdom of heaven. This is the ultimatum from the Son of God. And what He's doing, He's taking the full intent of the law to bear in people's lives. He's driving at intent. And He's aiming at your heart and mine. Jesus says righteousness is the key. You want healthy relationships? Righteousness has got to be a part of it. Righteousness is this wonderful gift from God. And it's this unbelievable moral obligation in the relationship that we have with Him. This morning, we're going to see the incredible evil of lust. We're going to see that, uh, that, that oftentimes how we go about trying to deal with this problem, although attractive, is wrong. And we're going to see how, how God takes broken, fragile people and brings them into healthy relationship. If you're ready for that, go ahead and open up your Bibles. If you need... Grab a pew Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible at home, take it with you. It's yours to keep. Page 678 is where I'm going to be. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to begin in verse 27. Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, throw it away. It's better for you to have one part of your body uh, to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus, make no mistake about it, is, is going to, to drive at judging the intent and not just the action. 
He, he, he begins by talking about this, this gross evil of adultery, and, and everybody knew it. Uh, maybe you uh, remember that adultery is uh, one of the, the, the top ten. It's the, one of the big ten, right? Uh, like if you go back to uh, Moses and receiving the law on the mountain with God, uh, this is one of them, right? Do not commit adultery. Don't covet somebody else's wife. And so Jesus is, is borrowing this crazy evil, and He's saying, hey, you've heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. And Jesus isn't saying somehow that adultery is okay. He's borrowing the nature of evil of adultery to make the point of intent that He wants to make. You see, in Jesus' day, uh, there were men who, who were uh, lustfully crazy in all sorts of behavior uh, that were, uh, they were engaging in that, uh, that was available to them in the first century world. And yet somehow there was this idea that if, if a man had not committed adultery, that somehow he was sexually pure. And Jesus goes, no. No, let me drive beyond adultery. Let me drive beyond the action to the intention. And this is where Jesus says, but I tell you, I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, what is this look? What exactly is this look? Let's define this look, preacher man. I mean, are we talking about like when we're out for a walk and we, we notice someone who we find to be attractive or beautiful? Uh, are we talking about uh, looking at them and going, oh, I'm sorry, I can't even notice your beauty because I don't want to lust. Is that, is that what Jesus is talking about? Is He talking about, ladies, you, you see that man who, who just, I don't know, they probably grease him up or something, right? That guy from that country in the Olympics... And, 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 you know, I don't know, bulging muscles or whatever... And you're going, whoa. Is Jesus saying, is Jesus saying, stop being men and women? Is he saying, don't notice people of the opposite sex? No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Now, when Jesus says, when Jesus says, one who looks at a woman lustfully, he's saying about the look, that the look becomes a longing. The idea here is, is not the amount of time someone spends looking, but how they look. It's not as if some, some little kid comes along with eyes popping out of his head and his jaw dropped. It doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out look. It's a look, and it lasts in your mind. It's a look that becomes a longing to desire. It's a look that turns into a fantasy. It's a look that begins to wonder, what would it be like? What would it be like to touch? To feel? To experience? This is the kind of look that Jesus is talking about. 
He's saying, let's get to the heart of the matter. Let's look at the intent behind adultery. It it begins in the heart and, and it begins in the mind with a simple look that it's allowed to build a nest in the heart of someone, some man, some woman. And as that nest is built, there are chicks and then it gives way to other lusts and other desires. He's saying, this is the kind of thing that has to go away. Oh, be careful little eyes what you see. And Jesus borrows the evil of adultery and says, if you lust, if you look like this, if you longingly look, if you fantasize, then it is equal with adultery. There's a passage in Leviticus chapter 19 and it begins to talk about people who have committed adultery. And you know what they would do with people who would commit adultery? They'd kill them. Yeah, what? (laughs) Jesus is raising the level of seriousness here. He's driving to the intent of your heart and mine. He's saying there's a connection between what you see and what's in your heart. How is it that you go about your looking? Anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Gang, we live in a culture that says, hey, are you having trouble in your sex life? Let's go lust about it. We live in a culture right now, quite frankly, where, where if a husband and wife come in for, for counseling with the wrong sort of counselor, we're having trouble in our sex life, that the advice is, why don't you watch porn together? And Jesus is saying, no. Our world is saying, you want a healthy relationship? Do this. Jesus is saying, Absolutely not. Healthy relationships cash in with sexual purity. And Jesus doesn't pull any punches. So that we might know the the nature of the seriousness of what Jesus is talking about, he, he couches it under this idea that, hey, your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees and the teachers. You don't get this one right? There's a hell to pay. Oh, quite literally, a hell to pay. Notice notice the the last portion of verse 29 and again in verse 30. He says, It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. There's eternal seriousness to lust. Now, some of us at this point are a little, little scared, and maybe we should be. We're all wondering, sitting on the edge of our seat, oh, I'm sure at some point in my life I've lusted. Does this mean that, that I'm going straight to hell? Or, or the attractive way of going about trying to fix this lust is just to say, well, if, if Jesus here is making a law about not lusting, I'm going to make sure that I lust about not lusting. I'll do anything. I'll do whatever it takes. 
Whatever behavior I need to fix, I'll fix it. And Jesus cuts us off at the pass. Because remember, Jesus is judging the intent of the heart more than the action. Notice what he does. Notice what he does. Verse 29. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. Uh, Verse 30, he says, and if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Jesus here is, is, uh, is not saying, hey, everybody should walk around blind. Jesus is not here saying uh, everybody should, should cut off limbs in order to attain righteousness so they can go to heaven. Hey, if, if all I have to do to get to heaven is gouge out my eyes and become maimed so that I can be a stump rolling into heaven's gates, somebody give me a pocket knife, right? If that's all I have to do? But Jesus is using extreme language here, isn't he? He's not saying, he's not saying, listen, he's not saying, gouge out your eyes. He's saying, you look so extremely on this issue of lust that you would drive to the very heart of your being in order to change it. Hey, hey, if I could cut off my hands in order to not lust, I would. If I, if I, could, if I could cut off my eyes, if I could uh, become, uh, uh, you know, all of my limbs, cut them off, take them away. But remember, Jesus is not aiming at our actions. He's aiming at our intent. What Jesus cares more about is not my eyes, but my heart. He doesn't care about as much about my eyes as He does what's going on inside of me, inside of my head and my heart. Are you, are you hanging? You see, the fact of the matter is, I could decide to go to, to Timbuktu, Africa. I could put a blindfold on the rest of my life. I could decide that, uh, that what I'm going to do to try and avoid lust is, is make sure that all the cable connections in my house are, are, uh, are cut, that, that I never look at another computer screen, that, that I use a dumb phone so that I, I don't have access to the, the internet. Dumb phone versus smartphone, right? I could do all of those steps. And when I got to heaven's gate, I could say, hey, Jesus, my man, I am righteous before you. I have done everything I know how to do. And he could say, I don't know you. And you're going to be like the person at the end of the Sermon on the Mount going, hey, no, Jesus, no, I've done this in your name. I cut off my eyes in your name. I cut off my hands in your name. I cut my legs off in your name. I moved to Timbuktu, Africa in your name. I cut off all the cable in my house in your name. I cut off all internet in my house for your name. And Jesus is going to go, but I don't know you. And the reason is Jesus is aiming at the heart. And he's saying, what's bigger than all of that? What's bigger than all of that is you. You see, when Jesus says, don't lust, gouge out your eyes, he's saying, I want your heart, not just your eyes. So what do we do? 
How is it that we change our heart? How is it that we begin to to say, Jesus, I'm yours? I thought, I thought about that, and I thought about it like, okay, God, if there's not like a to-do plan, if there's not like a checklist, then, then what is it that you want us to do here? And I began thinking about people in Scripture that struggled with lust, and you know, uh, some of you, uh, David, right? First person I thought of. That this man in Scripture who is called a man after God's own heart, and I thought, well, how is that possible? Uh, he obviously struggled with lust. There he was uh, on the top of his, his palace, and he looked at a woman bathing, and it, and it was one of those like he looked at this woman, right? I mean, he looked, and then he longed, and then he had her. He desired her. And this whole thing of the destructive relationship that, that took place after that with David, oh, man. But I found in Psalm 51... Why David is called a man after God's own heart, although he struggled with lust. Listen to what he says. In Psalm 51.10, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart. There's probably not a person in this room in some form or fashion that has not wrestled, struggled with lust. The answer is not that you get to go straight to hell. That's not the answer. But the answer neither is, I'll just do better tomorrow. The answer is, create in me a pure heart, O God. Change my heart that my relationships will follow. Change my heart and healthy relationships will follow and healthy relationships will cash in with sexual purity. You want sexual purity, you got to change the heart first. There was someone a long time ago that said, hey, how do you get a bunch of alligators out of a swamp? you got to drain the swamp. You want lust out of your life? You want a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees? That's entrance into the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, change the heart and healthy relationships will follow. Notice what else he says in Psalm 51, 17. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. Some of you who are within the sound of my voice, struggle right now with lust. And I want to encourage you that God's grace can change your heart, your relationships, and your sexuality. And you have an opportunity to allow God to change you in a way that you didn't think possible. So maybe you just begin by this. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Don't remove your Holy Spirit from me. Maybe you could begin there and then, and then you begin to say, okay, Lord, help me to remove myself from the situations that are going to tempt me most. So that my heart might have an opportunity to grow to be what you need it to be.
Lord, when I am faced with the kind of temptation to look upon other people the way I know that I shouldn't, remind me of the promise in Your Word that says that I can stand under that temptation. That You will provide the strength that is needed and my heart in every moment will begin to change. Lord, give me Give me the strength to say to those lustful areas of my heart and my life, Lord, help help those things become detestable to me. Lord, help the things that I, I think I desire now to become things I don't desire anymore. Show me how to make those things detestable so that the hard thing becomes the easy thing. We can't get this one wrong. God is changing us from the inside to the outside. Let's pray. Gracious God, I love you. I pray that you are with us, that you are strengthening us in this hard area. I pray, Father God, that we would go about the the necessary movements, the necessary thoughts and desires, that you would change us from the inside to the outside, that, Lord, our intents would change, that our heart and mind would change, and the result will be a healthy relationship with you and with others. Love you, Lord. Thanks for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name, amen.